Well, would you join me today in John 15? I want to start out today, I, I, I want to show you something. Uh, as I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's going to be a little different, a little odd. You may or may never have been shown this in a church service before. I want you to see something very fascinating. It's a picture, it's a picture, not of a vineyard, but it's an appliance. It's going to change your life. You say, preacher, what is that? I'm glad you asked. Do you drive it? Do you watch it? Do you play it? What is that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the Samsung Family Hub Smart Refrigerator. I'm telling you, it's going to bless you here. It's a four-door flex refrigerator. Here's what the official review says. The Samsung Family Hub Refrigerator represents the -the state-of-the-art in home refrigeration. Below the fridge, you'll find two freezer compartments that open sideways to reveal abundant drawer space and shelving. And if you need extra fridge storage, the right-hand compartment can also be switched to fresh food temperatures. On the right-hand door, there's a large interactive screen that can be used as a family calendar or a photo book and is Wi-Fi capable for TV streaming, music playing, grocery ordering, watching TV, or anything else you need to do on the web from the comfort of your kitchen. It'll even change the oil in your car. No, I'm kidding. It comes with its own smart voice assistant named Bixby. If these tech upgrades weren't impressive enough, how many of you are already impressed? You don't need any more impressive stats. All right, this is just blessing you, I can tell. All those in the market for a refrigerator are getting hyped up right now. Samsung has three cameras inside this refrigerator. So when you log into the app on your smartphone, it has its own app. When you log into the app at the supermarket, it can show you just how much milk you have left or how many eggs you have so that you can buy what you need. This is unbelievable. Finally, as one would expect in a refrigerator at this price. That's several thousand dollars, by the way. It offers excellent temperature management. That that is important. How many of you agree this is like a cool refrigerator? Three of us would agree this is a cool refrigerator. (laughs) Apparently you don't appreciate refrigerators like you should. But as cool and as high-tech as this refrigerator is, it'll only work properly if it's plugged into the power source. The first piece of advice you will receive if your home appliance, whether it be a washer or dryer, or a Samsung Family Hub smart refrigerator with an invoice named Bixby, If it is not working properly, and if you're troubleshooting, the first question you'd have to ask is, is it plugged in to the power source? Is the circuit breaker on? I mean, it's brand new. You get it out of the box, and you install it, or you have people install it for you, and you expect it to be cooling and working, and guess what? It doesn't work. It's not working right. And so there's either something faulty in 
the appliance itself or there's a bad connection to the juice. There's a bad connection. You're not getting the power. You're not connected to the power source. And so we're about to read again these verses in John 15. And we've already talked about from two weeks ago that the very theme of these verses is you and I producing spiritual fruit. More fruit. So you want to produce more fruit? Jesus talked about fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And we learned two weeks ago that there are there's character fruit he wants us to produce. There's convert fruit he wants us to produce. And there's continuing fruit that he wants us to produce. And God has intended for every single Christian, every one of us in here, God has intended for us to produce fruit. And yet we learned that the first ingredient, the first secret and key to producing fruit like Jesus wants us to produce, we talked about it, was purging. Jesus is going to have to purge us. He has to remember, he has to cut away the stuff that's unnecessary in our lives in order for us to be more productive in the way that he wants us to be productive. And so Jesus, in his discussion, we said that that was the first key to understanding, purging, two key elements in these verses to producing more fruit, purging. That was two weeks ago. But notice it with me, what the text says in verse one, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking. This is one of the several statements made in the gospel of John, what we call the I am statements. I am, I am the bread, I am the door, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says. Here he says, I am the true vine. I'm the, I'm the root. I'm the main vine. I'm the main tree, we would say. And my father is the husbandman. My father is the farmer. My father is the one who prunes and purges and cuts away what's unnecessary. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. You see the theme? He taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit. Watch this. He, my father, purges that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean, verse 3, through the word which I have spoken unto you. How many are thankful that the word of Jesus cleanses us and gives us clarity and cleansing? Amen. Verse 4. Now here's what he says. Abide in me. Would you do me a favor? If you're in the habit of taking notes or marking things in scripture, circle that word abide. We will see this word over and over again. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it, here it is again, abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, circle this phrase please, without me you can do nothing. 
If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciple. In other words, the people are going to notice this is a characteristic, a sign of being a true follower of Jesus. If you are bearing fruit, if you're a fruit-bearing Christian, and he's firmly established in these verses, gang, that the will of Jesus, the will of the Father, is for you and I who name his name, who claim to be his followers, his disciples. He says, I want you to know that my design for you is for you to produce more fruit. So you want to produce more fruit? If you're a true Christian, you do. You care about that. You look at your life, you evaluate, you do some honest assessment, and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to. I really legitimately want to produce more fruit. I'm not sure how, but I I want you to do that through me. I want to produce more fruit. Then as we learned two weeks ago, the first ingredient that we're going to have to experience and submit to is purging. Okay, we've established that Jesus established that here, but then there is a second element that he introduces us to in verse four that he mentions over and over again in these verses. Number one, purging. Number two, abiding. Abiding. Here's what we know. Fruit bearing glorifies God because it fulfills his plan for every true believer. That's that's in verse 8. The second key element to producing more fruit, though, is abiding. Seven times in verses 4 through 7, you see the word abide. Abide. What does that word mean? It's the Greek minnow. It's not a little fish. It's a word, minnow. We would, we would spell it M-E-N-O. That's a transliteration of it. What does it mean? It literally means to stay or to live somewhere or to reside at a given place. If I were to ask you today, now don't blurt it out, please. If I were to ask you, though, what is your address? I mean, where do you stay? Where do you live? Hey, what's your address? Where do you pillow your head at night? Where do you do life? Where do you live? What's your address? Can I ask you today, spiritually speaking, what's your address? Where do you live spiritually? Where where do you stay? Are you abiding in the vine? Do you abide? Are you abiding in him? You see, gang, that's the question for us this morning. Where are you abiding? In whom are you dwelling? Where are you staying spiritually? Jesus said, I want you to abide in me. Abide in me. I'm going to abide in you. 
What is, what is Jesus teaching us here this morning from this text? Well, he's teaching us that my level and your level of effectiveness as a fruit-bearing disciple, hear me, is directly related to how much I am abiding in him. My level of effectiveness as a fruit-bearing disciple is directly related to my abiding So I want to give you two thoughts and we're going to pray. Listen very carefully, please, dear one. I ask you humbly and respectfully to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside as you're listening to my voice on the outside. Two statements I want to give you from the text. First of all, abiding involves intimate connection. Abiding involves intimate connection. This is very clear to me. I hope it's clear to you in verse 4. Would you notice he says, abide in me. Notice again, abide in the vine. Again, abide in me. Verse 5, he that abideth in me. Verse 6, abide a man, if a man abides not in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me, in my words, abide in you. What does it mean to abide in Jesus It literally means staying in intimate connection with the vine. Staying with the vine. I'm abiding. I'm staying with the vine. Uh, With with the root. Are you? Are you staying in intimate connection with the vine? Listen to Psalm 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is being expressed in this verse 1 of that great psalm? Uh, it's, it's nearness to God. Man, we talk about nearness to God. We all crave nearness to God. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to be near to God. I want to experience what that is. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this verse, Psalm 91.1. This verse is describing those, he said, who live in close fellowship with God. Question, are you living in close fellowship with God? Are you abiding? So what does that intimate connection look like? You ready for this? What does it look like to have intimate connection with God? It means nothing more, nothing less than alone time with God. Alone time with God. So I'm going to tell you a good grid by which we gauge our alone time with God. And I want to tell you, dear ones, this is not mysterious, mystical. It's not a big secret. It's just true, and you probably already know it. What does that grid look like to gauge your alone time with God? I think it can be really measured by four different elements, maybe five, maybe six, maybe a hundred. I don't know. I'm just going to give you four of these elements that we can just take just practically today and say, okay, I'm going to take these four elements and I'm going to look at my life and see if these four elements are existent in my life when it comes to my alone time with God. 
Now, this isn't rocket science. I'm not about to blow you away with anything spectacular, anything you had never heard before. But those four things, I would say, if I were condensing it down, are you, are you ready for these? You're sitting on edge, eagerly anticipating what I'm about to say. I can feel it and sense it. The vibes are flowing all over this room. Element number one. You ready? Write it down. Get ready. Bible reading. Amen. Read your Bible. Element number two. Get ready. Prayer. Amen. Are you praying? Element number three. This is the dirty word. Fasting. Amen. Fasting. Element number four. Meditation. Meditation. Bible reading, prayer, fasting. Listen carefully. Meditation. Those four, those four elements, and I'm sure there are more, those four elements, though, are a pretty good starting point, starting place. Take those four elements and evaluate yourself and your life. How are you doing with your alone time with God as it relates to those four things? So there's no shortcut. There's no, there's no quick, no easy, no on-the-run solution to abiding. You can't abide in the vine. You can't have a long time, quality, 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 a long time with God on the run. Are you listening to me? You can't, you can't live a rushed life 24-7 and never stop and never slow down and never prioritize and have alone time with God. That's the secret though, gang. That's the secret to the Christian life. That's the secret to power. That's the secret to purity. That's the secret to humility. That's the secret to peace. That's the secret to joy. You you, you and I can't rush around 24-7 and not take the time and not make the time and really have true alone time with Jesus. That's what abiding in the vine looks like. So we must ask ourselves, are we truly abiding do we have that intimate connection? So let me ask you. Ask yourself this. Am I getting in the word and getting the word in me every day or at least multiple times a week? Separate. Separate from our corporate gathering at church. I'm not talking about corporate gathering at church right now. I'm not talking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Hold on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you and the Lord, you and Jesus. I'm talking about private time, alone time, solitude time, concentrated time, intentional time. You and Jesus in his word. I'm not talking about hours I'm talking about 
Let's start with a few minutes. Are you getting the word in you? Are you picking up the bread, the meat? Are you feeding yourself spiritually by yourself in the word? That's one of the things I love about our discipleship groups, our D groups, is it gives you a scheduled way to open the book, open the Bible, read it. Sometimes it's one chapter a day. Sometimes it's two chapters a day. But here's the deal. If I am minimizing my own personal growth, I'm, if, if I'm not getting in the Word and getting the Word in me in my private time, I'm shortchanging my own fruit bearing because I'm not abiding. Next question, am I spending time in prayer? Communion with Jesus alone every day or at least multiple times a week. Am I spending any time in prayer? Next question, do I have regular and intentional times when I'm fasting from food? Maybe a meal? Maybe fasting from a certain thing? Maybe from caffeine, maybe from sugar, fasting from food, a drink, a beverage, or whatever. Maybe fasting from a hobby, fasting from some form of entertainment, fasting from social media. But I'm fasting, I'm willingly, voluntarily withholding time from this thing so that I can devote that time to spending that time being engaged with Jesus. That's what we're talking about. That's what fasting is, gang. It's not walking around uh, uh, self-inflicting pain on ourselves or anything like that. It's not some monastic practice where you make yourself sad and walk around and let everybody else know you're sad because you didn't have your biscuit this morning. That's That's not the spirit of fasting. The spirit of fasting is, you know what? Here's something I enjoy. Here's something that even at times I feel is necessary, but I'm gonna willingly withhold my from it so that I can take that time and spend it with Jesus that's what fasting is Bible reading prayer fasting meditation do I truly and intentionally regularly spend time meditating pondering reflecting on Jesus, reflecting on the scripture, reflecting on my personal relationship with Jesus. That's meditation. That, my dear friend, those four things are the essence of abiding. That contributes to an intimate connection with the Lord. So let's take a moment to do something that makes all of us feel uncomfortable, especially on Sunday morning. Let's get real with one another. Let's get real with God. 
how are we really doing with this? Really doing. We say, well, wait a minute, Christian. Come on, son. I I just don't have the time. That's a good thought. I agree with you, amen. I just don't have the time. I'll tell you what, CP, you give me some more time, I'll do it. Okay. All right. Question. How many social media posts did you read last week? Good. But I'm not talking about the ones who... I'm talking about most of us. How many times didn't you did you jump on Facebook or Instagram? How many times? And please, please don't answer out loud. How many times did you like someone's post? Question: How many four-hour football games did you watch last week? How many innings of the World Series did you watch in the last handful of days? How many many episodes did you binge watch on Netflix last week? How much time did you spend, you shoppers, how much time did you spend searching for the latest cyber deals on Amazon Prime? Nothing, nothing that I mention here is in of itself sinful. That's not my point. My point is this, gang. Please, please don't insult the intelligence of God by saying that you and I do not have the time to walk with Him. Stop. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to Jesus. Stop insulting him by saying we don't have the time to walk with him. You mean to tell me that the God who gave us breath and the God who gave everything, the God who shed his own blood and saved our wretched souls from hell, we want to say and walk around, I'm sorry, I don't have time to pick up your book and read it. I don't have time to talk to you. No, we got time for everything else. You and I have time for what you and I want to have time for. Amen. You see, here's the deal. I have time and you have time. Just go ahead and admit it. Own it. Confess it. I don't spend time with the Lord like I should because deep down, I really don't prioritize it. I really don't think it's that important. That, my friend, is the bottom line. You see, I love the Lord. I love you. I am grieved in my spirit. I'm grieved in my spirit. And our church is awesome. But I think about, Brother Hemant and I were talking earlier this morning, how much more fruit could
could we produce for the glory of God? How much more, y'all, how much are we missing out on that Jesus wants to use us to do in his name and for his glory? How much fruit are we not producing? Because the rank and file church member is not walking with Jesus. We're not hungry for him. We're content just to cruise along, cruise along, get by. Come Sunday after Sunday and I'm so thankful you come. I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so thankful to see your wonderful faces. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm not preaching at anybody. If anything, dude, I'm preaching to myself today but I am talking to all of us in the name of Jesus. Gang, he says, if you're not intimately connected with me, you cannot produce fruit. How is your connection? And you can't walk with God on the run. And you can't walk with God on the fly. And you can't walk with God by accident. Abiding involves intimate connection. Finally, abiding involves absolute dependence. Would you circle back with me? Go back up to verse 4, please, dear one. As the branch, are you with me? As the branch, verse 4, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, no more can I what? No more can I produce fruit if I'm not abiding in the vine. In other words, if I'm not connected to the vine, I'm not producing fruit. Why? Because my life source, my power source is cut off. My strength, my zest, my zeal, my energy is cut off. Verse 5, verse 5, without me, he said, you can do, everybody say that word out loud. <laughs> now, I want to ask you a question. I want to think deeply, think deeply this morning. Let's put our thinking caps on like they taught us to do in kindergarten. Okay, put your thinking caps on. I've never seen a thinking cap, but it's invisible. Put it on. Define how much, how much is Nothing. It's nothing. So what's Jesus saying here? If I'm not abiding in him and I'm not with him and I don't have his supply and I don't have his strength and I'm not relying on him, how much spiritual fruit, how much, here it is, how much eternal good am I producing in my own strength? Thank you. Let's say it again. How much good am I producing in my own strength, church family? Nothing. Raise your hand. This isn't a trick question. Raise your hand if you want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And do you know how much you can do on your own? Nada. Amen. 
You see, he says, without me, that means apart from him, apart from his help, apart apart from his constant life-giving energy flowing into us and through us. I love what Adam Clark said. He said, it's like a branch, a branch trying to live, thrive, bring forth fruit, while at the same time cut off from the very tree from which it not only derives its juices, but it derives its very existence from also. You say, Christian, that's impossible. You're exactly right, friend. No wonder Jesus is as crystal clear in those, that verse as any other verse in the Bible. He says, you can't do squat without me. You can't produce any good, any life-giving energy. You can't produce any fruit without me. That's how dependent we are on him. There's no power, no life, no victory, no fire, no zeal, no joy, no other positive spiritual necessity apart from Him. His life-giving, life-sustaining power is what will enable me and you to do all that we need to do. And the one key, He says, (laughs) is abide in the vine. So how dependent on God do you see yourself? Let's do this on a scale of one to ten. Ten being the least, I'm sorry, the greatest, zero being the least. How dependent do you see yourself? Practically. You see, the truth of the matter is, we're not just a bunch of tens. (laughs) We're like off the charts in desperation in need of him. Like 10 to the 1 millionth power. But I'm afraid that's not how we live. We live so self-sufficiently. Our schedule's pointed out. Our lack of alone time with Jesus points that out. Our lack of desperation every morning even points that out. Y'all remember the old song? I say it's old, probably 25, 30 years old. The little chorus. I can't even walk. You remember this? Without you holding my hand. The mountain's too high. The valley's too low. Remember this? Down on my knees is where I learn how to stand. Why? Because I can't even walk without you holding my hand. How many of you believe that's true? And yet, we're going to live our days and our hours and our weeks and our months apart from him. Are you ready to get off of that crazy cycle?
Are you ready for today to start the difference in you? Nobody can guilt trip you into that. Amen. That's something you have to choose. Something you have to prioritize. I am today going to begin to prioritize my alone time with Jesus. Here's the takeaway. Every day, start out asking God to help you to sense and see your own utter dependence on Him. Let me tell you what helps me. In the mornings when my brain is functional, (laughs) before my feet ever hit the floor, I'm telling myself, I need Him. I'm telling Jesus, I need you. I can't do today what I need to do. I can't be the man I'm supposed to be. I can't be the Christian. I can't be the husband. I can't be the father. Without you. I mean... Right off the bat. Confess it. How many of you know he already knows it? He's not the problem. My sufficiency is the problem. My lack of dependence is the problem. Number two. Don't let too much time pass in the new day before you get into his presence. I don't know what that means for you and your schedule. Please, I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit. I just know I've learned the hard way in my life. If I don't get into Jesus' presence earlier in the day, it's probably not going to happen. Will you get up a little bit earlier? Just to have some alone time in His presence. And then number three, let Him root out and eliminate those things that quench Him, grieve Him, dry up our thirst for Him. I call them passion zappers, (laughs) time wasters, energy stealers. Will you ask him? Will you come into submission to his will? You're letting the will of God be done through you on this earth as it is done in heaven. And you're saying, Lord, point out to me the things that steal my spiritual energy and crash my passion for you. Sin, perhaps, maybe, certainly. Misplaced priorities. Lord, you point those out to me. Are you listening this morning? You point those out to me, Lord Jesus. And whatever you tell me, that's what I'm going to do.